Okay. This is a sicha. This is a shir on the sicha of book twenty-one in Lakota Sichas, portion of Tzavah, the second sicha. The truth of the matter is that the uh, teaching from this sicha is exquisite. What we're going to derive from it. The, the 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 way to get to the teaching is going to be through almost like an obstacle course of taking a look at two verses, the commentary of Rashi on them, trying to decipher why is it. Trying to figure out why Rashi comments what he does, back and forth, different hypotheses. When we get to the answer, it'll just be so st startlingly beautiful and clear. And then the Rebbe will take it to a, um, to a very interesting teaching in the way we view our importance here to Hashem in this world. So let's jump in. Paragraph one. The portion of our Sedra, which is, by the way, talking all about making the vestments, the clothes of the Kohen. Parsha in our Sedra, we talk about making the making and dressing the Kohenim in their Kohenly clothes. So it finishes with these words, that these clothes should be on Aaron and his children. The when they come to the tent of meeting, or when they come close to the altar to serve in holiness, they will not have a sin and die. Then Rashi says the words, and die, and he deduces, this teaches you, that if somebody serves in the Beis HaMikdash, lacking these clothes, he dies. He says they should be wearing these clothes when they come to serve Hashem in the Beis HaMikdash, they won't die. We learn from this. If this teaches us, if they're not wearing them, they they die. That's on verse forty-three. Eight verses earlier, in verse thirty-five, there's a similar verse, and the Mefarshim commentators asked. Rashi told us in verse thirty-five on the following pasuk: that these clothing should be on Aaron. Other vestments of clothing should be on Aaron when he serves. The bells. Because his long tunic, his me'il, had attached to it bell, pomegranate, bell, pomegranate that literally made noise when he walked around. So his the, his voice shall be heard when he comes before Hashem to the holy place. And when he leaves, and he will not die. Quotes Rashi, he will not die. And he says, from, from the not, you infer the yes. In other words, if, he, if it says if he wears them, he doesn't die. That means if he's not wearing them, he's he liable for death. This teaches us, the way Rashi spells it out, if he comes into the holy place, to the Mishkan, missing, lacking one of these clothes, he's liable to death penalty, not that the basin has to kill him, from heaven. So one second, that was verse 35. So if it said it in 35, why the first Pasuk we quoted, which was a later Pasuk, verse 43, does he have to say the same teaching. This teaches us that if he comes in not wearing, not fully clothed with the special Kohen clothing, he's liable for that. We said it eight psukim earlier. So if Rashi wouldn't have said his interpretation on the second pasuk, we could say, in other words, is it a question on Rashi or is it a question on the two verses? The two psukim seem to be duplicate. If we can learn it from the first verse, why, why does the Torah have to reinforce on the second time around that if he's not wearing the clothes, he's liable for that? Well, with Rashi wouldn't have commented what we would have done just looking at the verses would is to tell us that the Pasuk, yes, the Pasuk did repeat it a second time. We find many places that the Torah repeats something twice to tell us, you know, if I do like once, oh, wow, they're serious. We know there's a concept that sometimes you can do one sin and the Torah reinforces it a few times, and every time you do that one sin, you have transgressed lavin harbe. You've transgressed many times where Hashem said, "Don't do it." So every time He goes, and you do it, you've transgressed one of the one of the transgressions. So that's what we would say. That yes, it's a repetition. But Rashi tells us in the second verse, this teach this teach this teaches us. You just said it eight verses ago, Rashi. Right, is a commentary. Rashi says, "Ha So you're asking, it's not the exact same words in the in the pasuk. You're right. 
Oh, you're asking a good question. We're gonna get there. Are, are, are both Sukkim talking about the same clothes? Leave that in your leave that in your back pocket. We'll 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 discuss that. Rashi says, from this we learn, in other words, from verse 43, the second Pasuk. But Rashi himself in verse 35 has already said we learned that law from verse 35. So why in, in verse 43 does he say, this teaches us from here? we Not from here. We know it already. Oh, you have a good point. And we're going to discuss it later in a footnote. That says maybe verse 35 is just talking about Aharon and verse 43 is talking about all Kohanim. You know what? Since you asked it now, I'm going to, I'm going to address it now. And what the Rebbe says, now, why would I think there's a difference? If I was told by the Kohen Gadol that if he comes in not wearing all of his clothing, he's he's liable for death, then why do I have to say it by a... Why wouldn't I assume the same halacha is by a Kohen Hedyot, by a regular Kohen? And if it said it by a regular Kohen, why wouldn't I know the same halacha by a Kohen Gadol? So it's interesting that we wouldn't be able to infer one from the other. I'll tell you why not. Because, um, indeed, the first verse 35 is talking about a Kohen Gadol. Verse 43 is talking about a regular Kohen. Lest you say, like you just asked, maybe um, maybe, um, maybe one's... Maybe we wouldn't know one from the other. Why wouldn't we know one from the other, though? That's what we have to understand. So the Rebbe proposes, I'll tell you why we wouldn't know one from the other. First of all, with the Kohen Gadol, there's a special law that he, at the beginning, to become a Kohen Gadol, how does he become a Kohen Gadol? He gets, uh, he has to, one of the ways is, the main way actually, well, he has to have the, the shmearing anointing oil, but he also has to wear the Kohenly clothing for seven complete consecutive days. We, we noticed that very clearly this year in the in the learning. Seven days he has to be wearing the Kohen clothing, the Kohen Gadol clothing. At the end of seven days, we say, bingo, not bingo. We say, Kohen Gadol, that's it. You're confirmed. You now have entered the zone of Kohen Gadol. It takes one week of every day wearing those special Kohen Gadol clothes. And that confers upon him, till the week's over, he's not a full Kohen Gadol. That confers upon him the Kohen Gadol. So we see that the clothing when it comes to a Kohen Gadol are very important. So we would understand if the Torah told us if he comes in not fully clothed with the vestments of the Kohen Gadol, that he's liable for death, I would say that that wouldn't apply to a regular Kohen. Regular Kohen, the clothing is not... To become a Kohen, the, when he first starts serving as a Kohen, he doesn't have to be wearing those clothes. You know, he can go in for one day. He becomes immediately a Kohen. The clothing don't have that kind of transformative effect on him. On the other hand, if it would just say the law by a regular Kohen, and we'd say, well, if a regular Kohen can't come in not fully dressed like a Kohen, for sure a Kohen Gadol, no, I wouldn't say that. You know why? I would say, you know why the Kohen, the regular Kohen has to come in um, with wearing the clothes, and if not, he's liable for death? Because he never had a transformative process. He was never nitmal'ah. He never became inaugurated through wearing the clothes. So he, he doesn't have... The Kohen Gadol was inaugurated through seven days of wearing the clothes, so you could say now he's his battery of clothes is full. His, his quota of, of being clothed is full. Now if he comes in missing one of the Kohen Gadol, nothing happens. But the regular Kohen never had that 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 uh, uh, um, that that entry process where he was wearing where seven days every day he had to wear the Kohen clothes and only then was he able to go and become a full-fledged Kohen. He never had that. So it could be he always needs the clothes in order to... In other words, I'll give you a little example. If the battery is full... You can go in without being plugged in. So maybe the coin Gadol, like, has, you know, he charged his battery, he wore them for seven days. Now, even if he goes in without being attached, he's not missing, nothing happens. The Kohen never filled up his battery. He's always got to be plugged in. If he's not wearing his clothes, it's like he's not plugged in. So he, so I, I couldn't tell one and not the other. If so, we have a question. Maybe these two verses are needed one for regular Kohen, one for Kohen Gadol. Mm -hmm. Says never, that's not the case because we're going to say some, it doesn't fit with Rashi for sure. And also, Rashi says uh, in verse 43, that um, the clothing has to be on Aaron and his children, each one with the clothing fitting for them. In other words, Rashi learns in verse 43 that it's not just talking about a regular coin. It would also be talking the regular coin for the regular coin and the coin Gadol for his clothing. So according to Rashi, this wouldn't fit, just to learn that each Pasuk is talking about it a particular kind of coin. But that, that was 
So it's good to jump in it over there. Okay, so other Mepharshim learn. We're up to chapter, we're up to verse, uh, uh, paragraph three. We're two. Okay, so one of the answers is the Ram, Rebeliom, Mizrahi explains the several main commentators on Rashi. One of them is his name is Rabbi Elio Mizrahi, known by the abbreviation Ra'am. Ra'am explains that from the first Pasuk I would learn only for those six clothings that have been talked about in those verses, which are the breastplate, the apron, the tunic, the shirt, the hat, and the sash. But not about the other two items that haven't been taught yet. They're taught later in the Parsha, which is the... Um, Head plate, the forehead plate, whatever it's called, the tzitz, and the and the and the trousers. They weren't mentioned yet. So this law that if it's missing, if you're missing the 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 tzitz or you're missing the pants, you're liable for death. Hasn't been taught in the first verse because th those garments haven't been taught yet. So that's why it has to repeat it again and say it in the second verse. But and maybe that would even fit, says the Rebbe, with the language of Rashi. You know what? It makes sense. Why? Because in the language of Rashi, the first passage says, Rashi says, if he will come in missing one of these clothing, and he's only talked about six so far. In the next, in the last passage, the second passage, Rashi says, if he comes in missing clothing, generic, talking about all eight, because the first passage was just talking about halalu. These clothing, six. So that's why there has to be a repetition. But that's that's that would create a different problem if we learned like this, because since... In the second verse, it says, after it's taught all eight clothing, it says that there's a punishment of death if you're missing one of the clothing. <clears throat> so why did the Torah say, after six clothing, that if you are missing these clothing, you are liable to death? Just wait, hang on, if another pupsukim, teach about the tzitz and about the trousers, and at the end of all that, the verse 43 says that if you're coming in missing the clothing, you're liable for death. So it doesn't give us it, there, there's something there's something missing here, something missing in the in the why the two psukim and why doesn't Rashi pick up on it? Paragraph three. Other Mafarshim teach that the what's how do how do everybody's disturbed by this Rashi, of course. So other Mafarshim, in this case, it's uh, the Gur Arya, the Maral of Prague, wrote a commentary on Rashi. Called Gur Arya, he was a descendant of Rashi himself. <clears throat> and there's another, and he wrote says this: that the both Sukim are talking not just about all the clothing of the Kohen. The first verse, 35, is only talking about what was taught in that verse, which is the long meil, the long tunic, long robe. About that. That was spoken in that pasuk, and but the the previous psukim, which talk about, sorry, that was talked about uh, um, in that pasuk and in the first in the in the in the few psukim close to it earlier in proximity. The second teaching, which says there has to be on Aaron and they shouldn't die, that's talking only about one item of clothing which was taught there. Verse forty three. There was one thing that was taught there. The trousers, the plants. And the fact that Rashi says that if you're missing one of the clothing, and he just says it generically, any of the clothing, it's not because we learn it from that verse. It's because that's the truth. But where do we learn it from? If the Gurari is suggesting that we don't learn it, either, we don't. The verse 35 just tells us about the me'il can't be missing when the Kohen Gadol goes in. Verse 43 just says that any coin can't go in if he's missing his pants. Well, you know, his, <laughs> his shirt would cover anyway, but can't go in. But all the other clothing, how do we know he needs to be clothed with all, either for a coin four, for a coin got all eight? So that says in brackets, because there's another Pusik where the Gemara learns. There's a Pusik later on in the Parsha, uh, Parsha that says, <laughs> Telling when Moshe is dressing the Kohanim in the seven days of preparation, he says, dress them, gird them, and it will be for them. This dressing, these clothing will be for them their status of being a Kohen as an everlasting law. And that tells you that putting on those clothing gives them the status of, of, of being a Kohen 
forevermore. If they're now, if the, and 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 the inference of that is when they're wearing their clothing, they are kohanim. If they're not wearing their their their, their, their clothing, their kohaniness is not upon them, and they're just like non-kohanim. So of course you can't go in. If a non-kohen goes into the base of Migdash to bring up a carbon, zip, zap, he's not allowed. So when you when you put them on, the Pasuk says, Moshe, put on the clothes of the Kohen, and this makes them into Kohanim. That's enough to teach us when they're wearing their clothes, they're Kohanim. If they're not wearing their Kohanim, they're not Kohanim. So obviously they can't go in. They'll be just like an Israelite who goes in, and he's liable to death if he goes in. He's not where he doesn't belong. So why does Rashi... Let's follow the Gurari's thinking. The Gurari's thinking, why is Rashi saying that we learn it from these verse 35 and 43, where really there's just talking about the me'il and the michasayim, the, the long robe and the, and the pants, because yeah. Rashi is speaking about kushta de milsas. He's speaking about the truth. The truth of the matter is that after we have this later verse that says only if they're with their clothes, they're quantum. If not, they're like strangers. So now we know that all, if, you, if you're missing any of the clothing, you're liable for death. So Rashi puts it into his interpretation. But there's a big problem with learning in this way because Rashi never brings <laughs> this teaching. I just we just taught that it says that Moshe dresses them and then they become Kohanim. And if they're not wearing if they're not wearing their clothing, they're not Kohanim. Rashi never brings it on those verses. Isn't this the same problem you had before? You had you know one verse of six six pieces of clothing, then the next verse is eight pieces of clothing. Why do you need the six pieces of clothing? And now. It's the same thing redundant again. Isn't it? The Gurari is saying different. He's saying verse 35 is just telling you about one item of clothing. Uh -huh. Verse 43 is telling you about another item of clothing that was talked about in those two or three Pesukim. <laughs> we know from a Pasuk later on in... Um, we know from Pasuk next chapter, verse 9. This is the Pesukim we're discussing at chapter 28. In chapter 29, verse 9, there's a Pasuk that says... When 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 the, the clothing is made and Moshe is instructed to dress the Kohanim as part of the seven day inauguration, it says, "Put them on; they'll become Kohanim." From this, we deduce, without that, they're not Kohanim. The Gurari wants to say that that's the main teaching. The Rebbe says, "Well, Rashi never relies that the five year old is going to know what's happening next next chapter." So he didn't say anything about it yet. More than that. Two things. First of all, when we get to that posik about Moshe dressing Aaron and the Kohenim, and that's what makes them Kohenim, Rashi doesn't bring the, the the teaching of our sages that when they have their clothing, they don't have their clothing. He doesn't bring it. And could be that it only has to do with the seven days, the special seven day thing. This it doesn't. It's not about that if they have their clothing, they can't. Rashi doesn't bring that teaching. So how can you say that he's relying on that teaching? He doesn't bring it. Number two, the second objection to the Gurari's interpretation is in the first teaching of Rashi in verse 35, where he says, but if you go in missing one of these clothing, so maybe there you could say that Rashi is talking about all the clothing, even though we're not learning it from there, but he's giving you the information that we know from somewhere else. But in the second verse 43, you remember what the language of Rashi was? From this verse, this verse teaches you. Rashi has clearly pointed with an arrow. Look at verse 43. This verse teaches you. So how can you say he didn't really mean that verse 43, he means just to teach you not you, you can't go in not wearing the pants, but really he means the next chapter there's Allah. First he doesn't explain it. He, doesn't, he wouldn't wait till the next chapter. He doesn't explain it on the Pasuk in the next chapter. And in the Pasuk on the earlier chapter, he says this teaches you. So it doesn't work. So, okay, we still have to understand why the two Pesukim and why does Rashi repeat what seems to be the same teaching twice? <laughs> Dalit, paragraph four. We would be able to say another way. And again, this would also build on the fact that there is differences, there are nuanced differences between the two interpretations of Rashi. In the first passage, Rashi says, somebody picked up on it, Ha'im yikaneis. He can't, it says, the Aaron can't go into the holy temple Without his clothes, unless he's without the, wearing those clothing, Rashi says, "What we understand from this, if he enters the holy space without it, he's liable for death." In the second verse, forty-three, he says, "This teaches us shahamishamish that somebody who serves missing clothing is liable for death." Oh, so some of Pashim say 
The first parsing is talking about the me'il, just talking about that special Kohen Godel garment, the long tunic or long robe. And about the me'il, it says that you need to hear, why does it have, he has to wear it, because you hear the noise, the bells, the clanging of the me'il when he comes into the holy temple. From this we understand that if you can't hear it when he comes in, you have to hear it when he comes in. doesn't say anything about him serving. The mere fact that he's entered into the temple, and if he's not wearing that that robe, liable for this. The Pusik that says that the Kohenim have to come into the holy temple, and if he's not wearing it, he dies, it says, what is the language of the Pusik? If they come in or if they come near to the Mizbeach to serve. It says Rashi, this teaches us that if a Kohen serves missing clothing, he dies. Ah, so we're talking here about serving. The first passage is talking about entering. Second passage is talking about entering and working. working. And even though that once we know that somebody who comes in the, to the Beis Amikdash not, wear, not wearing his proper clothes, even for entering, he's liable for death. So why is there, why do you need another prohibition to tell you that if he comes in and serves, he's liable for death? You can't come, you can't, serve without coming in yeah so so mafarshim yeah but if we if we've if we've said that even coming in not properly clothed you're liable for death so why does the next but why does verse that was 35 why does verse 43 come and say if you serve wearing an unclothing you're liable for death you already you were killed just for coming in how did you get so far as to serve but there's two mafarshim say there's two reasons why those two things would still, those two psukim would still be necessary. Why? First of all, the 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 the, the liability for death is only when he comes el hakodesh into the holy, into the sanctuary of the mishkan, but not out there in the courtyard. The second verse says, if he comes close to the mizbeach, the altar was not inside the sanctuary; it was in the chutzah. So, the second pasuk is adding, if you served. And the Mizbeach, even though you didn't come in, but you're missing some of your clothes, you're liable for death. Right? You're not you're not liable for death if you came to that area without serving. Just for coming in there, that, that doesn't give you a, a liability of death. Another point, the fact that we, according to Rashi, can learn a, 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 a punishment, both for entering and for serving, is because there's two psukim. If what would happen if there weren't two psukim? There weren't two psukim, then what our minds would tell us is that you're only liable for death if you serve Hashem without being fully clothed. So we need the two psukim still because once we have a second, you see, sometimes in order to clarify that the first, we would have said the first pasuk doesn't just mean entering means entering and, and and serving but when you have a second passage that says when you serve even if you didn't enter that tells you that the first passage wasn't talking about serving first passage says you're like you're liable even for serving i'll give you an example um sometimes by by a further statement it sheds light what your prior statement meant if you wouldn't have had the the second statement you would have assumed that the first statement meant coming in and serving, not just coming in. But when the second statement says you can't, that you get liable for death, and it uses a different language, it says for serving, we understand now that the first prohibition is even just for entering. So it seems to be that we have a way to understand both Rashi's. Clearly, the first passage is telling us that you're not allowed to come in, enter into Kodesh, Right? into the holy place, not properly clothed with a big day kohana. Second Pasuk is saying that there's an additional prohibition, even if you don't come in, but if you serve, like outside on the Mizbeach, you also will be liable for death if you're not wearing the Begodim. And we need to we need to give both. But says the Rebbe, that this, this, this should be a good explanation. It's also not such a good explanation in the way of Pshat. It is a good explanation on some level, but again, we're always trying to understand when we learn Rashi, how Rashi is trying to make it fit the, the literal translation, the literal, the, the most simple 
<coughs> explanation of the Torah. Because in Pshat, both Sukkim actually say the same words. The second passage, the first passage just speaks about entering. The second passage reads like this. When they come, when they enter into the tent of meeting, or if they come close to Mizbech to serve, so both words are used, entering and serving, then they will not bear iniquity and die. <coughs> so from this Pusik itself, you could really learn that there's two reasons for death, either or, just for coming in, and if you didn't even come, and if you didn't enter fully, but you went to the Mishamesh, you served near the Mizbech, you're also liable for death. Besides the fact, says the Rebbe in the square brackets, so that second passage could have taught you both things. You don't need to. Besides the fact, says the Rebbe in the brackets, that we've spoken, the Rebbe has spoken about this elsewhere in his teachings, that in the way of Pshat, there never was a possibility to enter into the into the Ohel Moed for, unless there was a purposeful reason, unless it was coming in to do something. So entering, the Pasuk that speaks about entering in Pshat, in Halacha we know that sometimes a coin can go in just to bow. But the Rebbe proves from several places that in the reading of the Pshat, of the verses, there's never a B.R.A. Kanit, it's called. There's never a, 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 an empty entering in the base of I mean, You don't just come in and say, hi, God, I'm here. You, you got to come in to bring a carbon. You don't just come in. You have to, What are you doing here? You, you need a reason for being here in, in Pshat. So there's no difference in that case. There really would be no difference in Pshat. What we what we try to establish that one pasuk is talking even just for entering, even if you didn't work. The second pasuk is talking about working. Really, there's not much of a difference. There's no difference like that in Pshat. So we still come back to the same question. What's the question? Why are there two teachings? To Psukim and Rashi jumps on and, and gives two what seems to be identical teachings. That's one question we want to understand. The first, this is the first question we started with. We brought different hypotheses, different possible answers, which some of them could work, but we're saying that in Pshat, they don't really fit. Also, why does Rashi Taka, we, we, we did stumble here upon a possible answer, which we rejected in Pshat, but, it, but there is something to be said here. Rashi says in verse 35, if somebody is entering, that's the language he uses, and in verse 43 he says, you're liable for death for somebody who's serving. So why does Rashi use those words differently? It would seem in Pshat, entering, serving, is all the same. Why? But you see that he distinguishes. What does that mean to tell us? So now that ever comes and gives a, 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 a an interpretation, when you look at it, you see it's it's there. It's just right there. It's glaring at you. We <laughs> only have to point it out. So par uh, uh, paragraph five. We'll understand it by first understanding another general difference between the two interpretations of Rashi. The language of Rashi on the second Pasuk, on Pasuk 43, is in the language, in a style of a halacha. This teaches you that somebody who serves missing clothing is liable for death. Whereas if you look, if you read the Pasuk on Lamed Hay, the verse 35, the way Rashi says it is much more in a way of a story, or rather in a way of, in a, in a matter of fact. However, he has to come in wearing uh, his voice, the voice, the noise shall be heard because of the bells when he comes into the Kodesh. Says Rashi, if however he comes in missing one of these clothing, then he's liable for death. It's not in a in such a, 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 a language of teaching a law. I must say I'm not fully able to explain the difference about this. But we can say that here, the rest, because I was able to understand... Right now, you're giving a shear. Are you serving? Is that the same? Is that a, that's a, serving means shechting, bringing the blood, okay. uh, transporting the the pieces uh, of meat from the from from near the mizbeach on top of the mizbeach, taking out the ashes. No, there was no speeches in the base of English. No drushes. <laughs> but what didn't happen? Okay, it was you went in, you did your work. Pass me the salt. You could say pass, yeah, pass, okay. pass the thing, but. It was. Um, it was not. Uh, that's not in the. That's not in the Kodesh. Past the salt. No, the the to go do the service isn't right. in the Kodesh. The service was in Chotzer. In the in, in yeah. So, so in Kodesh, you're right. In Kodesh would be to take 
the bloods that need to be sprinkled inside, and you know the kataris, the incense that had to be brought there, the lighting of the candelabra, which was done inside. You're right. The mizbeach. Yom Kippur he comes to the Holy of Holies. He didn't make a speech. The prayer he makes when he leaves the Holy of Holies, a very short one, he doesn't want to get anybody nervous that maybe he didn't come out. He says a very basic prayer. The Jews should have a good year. And then he comes out. There's, there isn't any speeches inside the... <laughs> and some people are very happy to hear when the Beis Amitash will be built. There won't be any speeches. In the Beis <laughs> okay. So let's understand here. In Pasuk 43, when it says like this, it will be on Aaron on his sons, and they will not bear sin and die. This is an everlasting, uh, um, this is an everlasting law for him and for his children afterwards. This is talking about the general instruction on Kohanim, Kohanim Gidolim, regular Kohanim, big Kohanim, and for all generations that they need to be wearing their clothes until they will not bear any iniquity for not wearing it. If they do, then they die. The previous Pasuk is a very unique Rabbi, you're muted. We were speaking about no more speeches, so we became muted. We lost the connection. <laughs> <laughs> So the Pasuk in Pasuk 43 that says that it has to be on Aaron and his sons. They will not have a, a, a sin. They will not bear iniquity and die. This is a forever lasting for him and his first children. This is where the law is taught for Kohanim and Kohanim Gedolim. The law that they need to be fully vested, fully dressed in their Kohenly clothes. The previous Pasuk, listen to it, it's very different. It says, that the me'il, this clothing, will be on Aaron when he comes to serve. It's talking about Aaron. It's talking about the high priest. We wouldn't understand that this applies also to every Kohen, for reasons mentioned earlier. Now, even though, verse 43, when we say that if you're missing clothes, you can't go in, it's not just... A a um, it's not just the four clothing in which a Kohen there's four basic items which every Kohen has to wear because the Kohen Gadol has eight but the first four are unique are not unique every Kohen wears the four and he wears the four so the Pasuk is telling you about those clothing that if he's, if if somebody is missing or the Kohen Gadol or the Kohen Hedyo the regular Kohen is missing him there's a, there's a liability of death. But the Rashi says it's much more inclusive. He says all of these clothing for Aaron, the ones that fit him, the eight, and for his children, the ones that fit them, the regular four. So this is a law that tells us that he needs to be wearing, the regular Kohen and the Kohen Gadol have to be wearing their clothing. But what is, so that's verse 43 is the teaching that tells us that they all need Coin Gadol, coin regular need their clothing that's appropriated for them. But why the previous Pasuk? Why do we have verse 35 that just speaks about Aaron? He's included in verse 43. Uh, it's not a question. Because the previous Pasuk tells us something else. It's telling us a special law, as we're going to now see, the, and it's hinted at in Rashi. Rashi says, if he comes in missing one of these clothing, talking about Aaron and talking about specific clothing. It's not like verse 43, which is talking about all Kohanim, Kohen Gadol included, and all clothings. Pasuk 35 is talking about specific clothing and only to Aaron. And there's a difference. Wow. What is it? Now let's see. Paragraph 6. According to the simple reading, we could say that with the, when Rashi says these clothing, what does he mean? Not all six. Remember, until this time, till verse 35, what's been taught is the, the eight clothes minus the tzitz, the, the what's it called? The, um, <laughs> the head plate and the trousers. Okay? So we thought initially that when Rashi says in verse 35 that he, if he's missing all these clothing... It's liable for that. That means all six. It says that ever know. 
He's talking just about the immediate three items of clothing that were talked about in those few verses. Which ones? The apho, the, the apron, the choshen, the breastplate, the me'il, the long tunic. Because those are the things that Moshe was instructed about here in this group of psukim. What's the difference between these three and all the rest? Ah, about <laughs> these three items of clothing we find in the Pasuk, about each of them, a special designation, special reason why he's wearing them. At the end of each of the instructions of each of these three, there's an addendum that tells us what are they doing. About making the apron, it says, you will put the two stones on the shoulder straps of the aphod, and you know what they are? Stones of remembrance of the Jewish people. On each stone, there were six tribes engraved. And it says, Aaron would come into the holy temple wearing these two stones, bringing the remembrance of the Bnei Israel before Hashem. When he finishes making the Choshen, the instruction of making the Choshen, what does Hashem tell Moshe? Again, the same thing. The Choshen Mishpah, the breastplate, had every tribe engraved. He would come with the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate on his heart, with oil, HaKodesh, coming into the Holy Temple, the Zikaron, Lifnei Hashem Tamid, to be a remembrance always before Hashem. Yeah, but that's right now we're talking about the, the fact that the Bnei Israel are remembered because their names are engraved there. Urimatum is a different topic. So he's always wearing it, and the Jewish people are always being remembered before Hashem. About the end of the Me'il, that long tunic which had the bells, it says, that it will be on Aaron, and the noise will be heard when he comes before Hashem and when he leaves. That noise was supposed to remind us about the noise. There's the, there's pomegranates at the bottom there to remind us that every Jew is full of mitzvahs like pomegranates. So it's there's a remembrance item there that's that's brought out. In other words, these particular items of clothing, these three, there's something special about Aaron wearing them when he comes in, even before he did anything. Just entering with them is already a special thing because there's already an achievement. He comes in, dressed in those things, those particular three items, and Hashem says, oh, the Jewish, I remember the Jewish people. Even before Aaron does anything. However, the other clothes, it doesn't say that about them in the Pesach exactly what their achievement is. It says about all the clothing, generally put them on on Aaron and on his children, and this makes them holy to me and they'll serve me. We understand that the clothing are what gives the Kohanim their 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 official position makes them holy, it makes them ready to serve Hashem, it gives them their Kohenness. And that's why you can only, when they go to serve Hashem, they have to be wearing all those clothing. When they go into the Mizbeach, and especially when they go to serve, they have to be wearing those clothing. This The wearing of clothing has to do with the functionality of them being Kohanim and going and representing and doing the service in the Beis Amigdash. It's not about them, that instruction about not being bereft of clothing is not like the first one, which is on those three items where the Kohen Gadol comes in and the mere coming in with those three items creates a remembrance of an Esau. And, and that's why Hashem says a separate Pasuk that says, don't be without those three things, because if you come in without those three things, you're missing your your, your duty. Your duty is to bring a remembrance of the Bnei Yisrael when you come in wearing those three things. So another Pasuk for those three things. Those three items are very special. And because we have, because of this, Rashi, the, the Torah divides it into two items. There's two groups here. There's the one group that achieves without doing anything, just brings in a remembrance by virtue of the fact that he's wearing them. That's why there's two psukim, and that's why Rashi differentiates the way he comments on each one. About all the clothing, we learn, he says the language, Hamishamish, somebody who serves missing one of the clothing is liable death. Because the, the, the generally speaking, the clothes of the Koyan and Koyan Godel are about being used for serving Hashem, for serving the base of Mikdash. But when we talk about these items of clothing, these three items, the apron, the breastplate, and the long robe, by them, the liability of death for missing to wear those clothing has nothing to do with 
the fact that he's serving in them. It has to do with the fact that he entered without them. Because when you enter with those three clothings, when you don't enter with any of those three clothes, you're missing the effect that it would have had when you went in with them. And that is the remembrance it would have created for the Bnei Yisrael. Ah, you'll ask one question. There was another thing that created a remembrance. Isn't there? The, the head plate? The, so but the head plate is, it says um, that it was always on his forehead to be an appeasement for them before Hashem. So Lecha'er would seem to be that um, even also the head plate should be part of those three, but it's not mentioned as part of those three. It's only caught later. So that explains that actually the tzitz was different because the tzitz, as Rashi explains, had an even more constancy. It always atoned for carbonists that may have fallen short of being the way they were supposed to do. And the word tomit, constant, means even when the Koenigadol is not wearing them. Rashi says, even when the Koenigadol is not wearing the, the, the head plate, it's, uh, it still does its function. So you can't put that into... It's got nothing to do if the coin's wearing it or not. You can't put it as part of those three that if he comes in and he's not wearing it, the function of those items which are to create an awareness of the Jewish people is lost and therefore is liable for death regardless of whether he served or not. It's, it's a separate thing. No, it's not uh, only if it's like part of all the, the big deku, you know, that if you come in to serve Hashem, you have to be fully dressed the way you're meant to be dressed okay. with all with four or eight. But there's nothing about it's not about wearing pants that somehow when you come in, that it creates some kind of energy. It's about coming in to serve. Those three other things, the mere coming in wearing them creates already creates already something for the Jewish people. Their function is just to remind Hashem about the Jews when he walks into the base of Does this have anything to do with? It's an ancestor or something with Tzitzis? Or is it totally no. different? No. It has maybe a similar source, but not... Uh... Tzitzis means the fringe, corner. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, uh, tzitz actually means the I strings. I meant the film. Oh, no. The, the, no oh. So the Tzitz was on the forehead and there was space between the, the, between the hair roots and the forehead plate to put the tefillin. The coin had to be wearing tefillin also. Well, so he needed space between his hair, where his hair would grow. They, the coin had were pretty close shaven. And um, yeah, so there was room there for Chap, uh, uh, Paragraph eight. According to this, we have a big chiddush. There's, this comes out that there's a... a, 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 a if we, once we learned Rashi like this, you see that Rashi is teaching us something very novel. Because... He's telling us that in the law of not coming into the base Amikdash, lacking clothing, there's two kinds of clothing. It's not what we would have known simply is that it's one blanket prohibition. Maybe two verses, but it's the same prohibition. You cannot come in, a Kohen cannot come in missing four. Kohen Gadol cannot come in without all eight. Way Rashi, way we're learning Rashi now, Rashi is telling us a big Kiddush that the Kohen Gadol. If he comes in, um, if the Kohen Gadol comes into the Beis Hamikdash without serving, right? If he just came in and out, there's a difference. Which of the clothing is he missing? If he's missing one of the five, other than the three we talked about, if he came in and went out and didn't serve, he didn't. Uh, he didn't violate. If, however, he was wearing one of those three, just for entering without wearing. One of those three, the Eifat Cheshen Amil, is liable for death. In other words, there's a big difference. It's not about the function. There's no function needed. The moment he walks in, he, those three begotten are just about being on the coin other when he walks in. It's not about them completing him or bringing him validity, bringing him the the, the kohenness to be able to, to serve, even if he didn't serve. If he walked in not wearing those, it's a big chiddush. It's a novel teaching. But now we have a, a fascinating derivative from that in service of Hashem, chapter paragraph nine. We can say that from the things that would be considered like the wine of Rashi, in other words, the uh, the deeper, more, more, um, yeah, 
side, like the more hidden things in Rashi, these two things about the Kohen Gadol, that A, his going into the, entering the, the temple has to do with those three clothes, right? And the number two, his service in the base Hamikdash, wearing all eight clothes, are connected with what is achieved, what is, uh, not achieved, what is Uvgeton. Um, the outcome. The outcome, the way it is, by the Jewish people. The outcome and the achievement of the Abvaid of the source of a Kohen Gadol and all the Kohen, for that matter, in the base Hamikdash, he does it as a representative, an agent of the Jews. The Kohen is representing the Jew by doing his work for him in the base of English, which the Gisrael can't do. But what is the work? It's to connect through going in and serving Hashem, to connect all the Jews with, with Hashem. But the connection of the Jew with Hashem has two, has, has two ways. Two avenues. There's one, the way that a Jew connects to Hashem through the service of Hashem. He does Torah, he learns, he learns Torah, he does mitzvahs. As our sages tell us, I was created to serve my master. Then number two, there's the way that the Jews are connected to Hashem in the way that just their, their very being, the fact that they're his children or his servants, even before they do anything, the mere fact that they are is already for him, is already a special connection that he has. Sometimes we say today, I just want to hear you breathe. You have anything to say? No, I want to be on the phone with you, just hear you breathe. Just that I know that you're there. Before you, not, I don't need you to do anything. So as we once spoke about, says Rebbe here in square brackets, that why are the Jews called Vizemli Segula? It'll be for me a treasure. So it's just like a, a, a treasure, a precious treasure, like beautiful gold, silver, diamonds, which kings, what do they do with the treasure? They hide it away in the treasure house. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of having very valuable gems hidden away in a treasure house? It's it, Indeed, it's not for any purpose. It's not for any utilitarian use. It's not for any use. Not for any <laughs> practical use. The whole use is that the king should be able to go from time to time and be able to have delight in the fact that he has them. He doesn't have to do anything with them. He has pleasure knowing that he has them. Maybe he sees them once in a while. Similarly, there's that relationship that Hashem has with the Jews. He calls them his treasured nation. The fact that they're there, regardless of what they do or don't do. Of course, they have a mission to fulfill, to bring down Hashem and make him a dwelling place in this world. But regardless of that, there's a, there's an, an essentialness in the connection which is not hinged and not reliant on what it is they actually did. Just like we're talking here, paragraph 10, about the Kohen Gadol. The Kohen Gadol, we said that coming into the holy space, just wearing the just wearing the vestments that remind Hashem of the Jewish people. What does it mean, coming into the holy space? This is like representative of the entry of all Jews. He's going in as a representative of all Jews. Coming into Hashem's presence in a way that they are remembered before Hashem. This has nothing to do with the actual function, any function that the Kohen Gadol does in the holy, in, in the sanctuary. Mere fact that he comes in creates that wearing his clothes that have the names of the Jewish people written on them creates a remembrance of the Jews the way they are in their deepest essence. Simply Hashem's children or servants. There's a two-leveled relationship that we talk about. Before they even start working. Before they do anything, the mere fact that they are. And only after that, we speak about the Kohen Gadol, that he has to come in. If he comes in to serve Hashem, that's already next level. And that represents the help he gives or the, 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 the leadership he gives to empower the, the Jewish people to do their Aveda, to do their service of Hashem in the individual things they need to do to create a dwelling place for Hashem here on earth. Now we can understand... Paragraph 11, the connection of, we said that, that this applies to the three items of clothing, the breastplate, the, 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 uh, the apron, and the, long, and the long robe. Why are these particular items singled out? Or why do we need all three to remind us or to be the items that Moshe Rabbeinu goes into the base of Mikdash with a mere fact that, Aaron, sorry, goes into the 
sanctuary with, and the mere fact that he comes in with them reminds Hashem of the relationship with the Jews before they even do anything special. Because these three items remind us of three kinds of Jews. What three kinds of Jews? We have on the on the stones of the Choshen and the Ephod, we have the, the names of the Bnei Yisrael carved out. Those are higher level Jews, which you can see in them that the, that Israel is carved out in them. Their name, Bnei Yisrael, they're the children of Israel. In other words, the, the, their specialty is more prevalent, is more um, is more obvious. In this itself, there would be two levels. Choshen is a breastplate. This would be the Jews that have totally transformed their hearts. The ephod is the apron, which leads up to the main thing where the Jewish people's names were written was on the shoulder straps. Shoulders represent more connected to the back. This would be an avoda, not when there's been a transformation, but when there is a a um, a, a um, control, a self-restraint and a self-control to do the right thing, even though the heart may not really be transformed to want to do the right thing. The yeah, you could say a benoni, yeah. And then we have the long robe, the me'il, which is connected with the lower level Jew. Why? Because we said, who, who are connected to doing mitzvahs without really being motivated, and maybe not even doing all of them. Like we've spoken about the fact that the at the at the hem of the me'il, why was the bells? There was a bell, and then there was a pomegranate shaped um, uh, fabric, like it was is woven in, uh, in, in in. But it was a pomegranate shaped. What was the pomegranate for? There wasn't the bell had a and uh, had a tongue and a clapper and a clapper, a bell and a clapper. The, the pomegranate wasn't there for making noise. What was the pomegranate? What was it there? To remind us that there are Jews. Jews are compared to pomegranates. What does the Gemara say? That based on the verse in Shir Hashim that says, harimon it says that even those of you that are empty, empty Jews are full of mitzvahs like a pomegranate. So it's talking about Jews that are not necessarily motivated, but yet we say that practically speaking, they are... In their deeds, they do plenty of good deeds. So we're talking about Jews that their heart is transformed. We're talking about Jews that their heart's not transformed, but at least they exercise self-constraint, like you rightfully said, like a Benny, they're doing everything right. And then even down to people that we have to look at them like a pomegranate and say, even though they may not be so perfect, but they're still full of mitzvahs as well. When the Kohen Gadol goes in with all those kinds of Jews represented by his in his gear, that becomes remembrance before Hashem. And about that we say, if he's missing one of them, liable for death, because in order to create a remembrance of Hashem for all the Jews, you need to have all kinds. You can't just try, the Kohen Gadol can't just take in the pious ones and have them remember for Hashem. All need to remember Hashem, everybody, no matter what level they're at. Because this remembrance and, unit, unif and, and unity of the Jews with Hashem, there's no differences between the various groups of Jews. In, when, when you talk about the deepest connection between the Jewish people and Hashem, all Jews are equal. I, the Haaretz Rebbe says, but why are they therefore expressed by three different kinds of clothes? Because whenever we speak about the oneness, that everybody shares the same commonality, because it's at the deepest point, we all have the same deepest connection to Hashem, but we want that not to remain only in the depth and only in the very, very high level. We want it to come down even to inspire the places where we're different. We want our differences also to be inspired by that place in us where we have the sameness. Paragraph 12. This will also be a teaching for every, every rabbi or teacher or spiritual leader and for any person that can have an effect, that can have some kind of a, uh, a, a uh, an effect on those around them. When you meet a Jew, no matter what his circumstance may be, the first thing you have to try and do is like the Kohen Gadol, you have to make him remembered before Hashem. How do you, you don't have to remind Hashem, Hashem remembers who he is. You have to try and remind him that what's his true reality is that he has an Hashem and that he's before Hashem. He has a piece of Hashem literally from above in him. And he comes from Hashem's thought and wisdom. And Mimela, what happens is if you remind Zikola in the Bnei Yisrael, if you remind the Bnei Yisrael about who he is, 
Lifnei Hashem, then he enters into the zone where he's before Hashem. He just has to be reminded about who, who, who his true self, what his true identity is. And this becomes achieved through the Kohen Gadol. In each generation, there's a Kohen Gadol. And through the connection, we know that the connection to the tzaddikim and the scholars of that generation, which it says that through connecting to the tzaddikim and the, and the Talmidei Chachamim of that generation, as if you're attached and cleave to Hashem, the Gemara says that it says, uh, connect to Hashem. How can you connect to Hashem? Connect to those that are connected to Hashem. In other words, connect to the Talmidei Chachamim of the generation. Because they're so cleaved up with Hashem that by connecting them, your connection by default to Hashem. Because they're because they still are, they still are at the deepest core. The deepest. But, but they, there are some that totally. That's they. have done it just because they're they're mis uh, misinformed or they're covered over by their yetsahara. But deep down, we try and peel away the external levels of what's taking them away from the connection to Hashem. Deep down, they're as connected as all of us. So, to to walk away, I'll I'll tell you, I will finish a second. And I'll tell you a story, um, and then only after that. Once we've, in other words, once we touch the essential part of the Jew, the zikaron livnei Hashem, that that most existential part where everybody's every Jew is connected to Hashem, and Hashem enjoys just being reminded about Him, just His presence, like the Kohen Gadol wearing the remembrance. After that, we can start to deal with the individual levels of each person, and that includes the next stage of the Kohen Lee duty, which is Lechaperalav, to atone for each Jew at their level, to take away the things, the negative things that have attached themselves to him. How do you take away the negative things that have attached themselves to a Jew? You have to be careful to steer away from the bad. You have to add in doing good. And through this spiritual service of that's hinted at in the wearing of the, uh, putting on of the clothing of the Koyan, we will, please God, merit what it says in the uh, 61. The Gemara says, that who will dress them when Mashiach comes, how will we know how to dress them? The Gemara answers, a good answer. When Mashiach comes, Aaron will come back, and Moshe will come back, and they'll tell us how to dress them. May this be a reality in the third base of Mikdash speedily in our days. So, so I'll, 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 I'll just give you an answer. I'll, I'll keep on the recording. You asked why why is there such an emphasis, particularly in Chabad, on, on uh, not letting that Jew who wants to run away, not letting him run away. He's chosen, he's chosen to opt out. Why are we so insistent we're going to try and bring him back? Some are actually sinful, and uh, so there was uh, there there were a group of Hasidim that were very that looked at um, at the policy of Chabad of the Rebbe to try and include every Jew as much as possible as being misguided, and they said we should be exclusive. If if a Jew chose to run away, let him run away. Why should we try and bring him back? So. Um, this person later on had a child who left the path, starting to meander off the path of his very, um, very, very uh, religious lifestyle. And he was traveling somewhere. And there was in that place, there was only Chabad. And he asked, he asked if, he, if they can help to get the kid back. And so he was asked, he chose to leave. Why do you want to? So I can't just give up on my kid. My kid. I can't just give up on him. But I told him, every Jew is Hashem's kid. You can't just give up on him. If you look at it from that perspective, yes, he may be chosen out. If somebody has a kid that chooses to rebel, that chooses, the parents are always thinking, how can I maybe get somebody else to influence him? How can I get him back? Nobody just walks away from a child. 
God forbid we should never know. God, God forbid we should never know. But uh, children that walk away from their parents, functional parents, again, in the paradigm of Torah, the parent never gives up on it. Even if he can't do anything, his life is not the same afterwards. They say you're only as, as happy as your least happy child. One of your children is not happy. It doesn't matter that you have 25 kids and 24 are doing great, but there's one that's not. There's a part of you that's not happy because of that 25th kid. So when we look from the perspective of Hashem, and a tzaddik can see that, but these are Hashem's children. You can't just give up on him. He ran away and he said he wants to run away. Don't live. don't believe him. It's not true. Deep down he has an ashama that's crying. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to him. I, I, I. That's, that's, that's his Yetzirah. And we've seen many, many time and time and time and time again. Today it's proven that Jews uh, really deep down they want. Sometimes they don't know. Sometimes they're brought up in a different environment. They never have a chance. With this I will turn over the recording.